0: Who's up for some mental theology gymnastics today? I think I am. So that's what we're going to do today on My Seminary Life. This week was the wrap-up to Systematic Theology 2, which means that it was just a week of turning in the final project stuff. There was no new material at all. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But for the actual meat of today's episode, we're going to do a little bit of a what-if scenario? You know, Marvel made us ask that question last summer, and so we're going to do it a little bit here today. What if the Garden of Eden went differently? Let's talk about it. Hey, I want to say first off, welcome back. This is My Seminary Life, the ep- the show where I talk about the things normally that I'm studying in grad school. And I'm your host, Brandon Knight. I also want to apologize because I know the last couple episodes I've been recording on my desktop with my microphone. The audio has been a lot better. Today, it's going to sound more like the tin can string audio, and that is because our Wi-Fi is down right now. Yeah, that's kind of the the downside of living in the middle of nowhere. Living off the grid, the Wi-Fi can have some issues sometimes. So today we're going to be string tin can audio. Next time, I promise you, if this is the first time you're listening to the show, I promise you next time, as long as the Wi-Fi is up, the audio will be a lot better. It will sound so much better than what we're doing right now. Also this week... um over on the social media end make sure that you're following the show at my seminary life pod on facebook and instagram for weekly updates including things like our new video clip so over on instagram every tuesday you can get a tr- brief trailer of what was the intro to that last week's episode that was a very confusing sentence. Tuesdays on Instagram is going to be a commercial for the show. Let's put it that way. I don't know what it's going to be this week because uh, I'm just talking into my phone right now. Maybe I'll do a POV of what it looks like when I record this way. Yeah, that'll be nice and gross. I'll do that. That'll be fun. Uh, So make sure you're following the show on Instagram and Facebook for weird videos and reels like that. So again, t- this week was the wrap-up to Systematic Theology 2, after um, a week of recap, anthropology, harmon-theology, because I still can't say that one right, two weeks of soteriology, we missed one of those weeks because I was out of town for the winter camp for youth, for the youths, and also ecclesiology and eschatology. Which, by the way, if you haven't checked out the one more thing with my buddy Joe talking about End Times Media, that should be the episode just right before this one now on the feed. So go listen to that. We had a great time reminiscing about End Times Media. It was a lot of fun, honestly. Um, So after all these weeks, we had this week the final projects due. Two of them were the same from last time. I talked about this in the... uh, First episode, first we had the reading assignment. I had to read a thousand pages, at least, of theology. But our reading in our textbooks counted towards that. So even though I didn't finish all of the reading in the textbooks, I still broke past a thousand pages. So that was step one. The other one that was similar from last semester was turning in a an ordination. I keep wanting to say dissertation, but an ordination paper. So it was five worksheets, one on anthropology and the study of sin, one on soteriology, one on Christian living, one on ecclesiology and one on eschatology. Each one had 10 questions on it and I just had to fill out these worksheets. Unfortunately, because of my schedule, that basic the this whole quarter that meant that the past 2 days was basically me spending as much time as I physically could just cranking out these worksheets. To get them done. But they are done. It went from five worksheet pages to 20 pages worth of material. And we're waiting on the results for that. That is the biggest of the three assignments. The final one was the glossary. I talked about this a little bit. It's a fun assignment, but I was a little peeved at it, to be honest. I had to comprise a work uh, glossary of 100 vocab terms proving that I could speak and teach the language of theology. So the answers to these terms needed to be sweet and simple, common language, so that way people could know what I was talking about. The reason why I was peeved at it, though, is because this is um, another example. <sighs> Another example of why I don't like higher education sometimes. The rec- the minimum was 100 words, okay? So we had to get 100 words. But it said in the instructions that if we only had 100 words, we would get an automatic letter reduction going from an A to a B. Which is frustrating, because that means the minimum isn't 100. So you know what I did? I'm a jerk, folks, and I turned in 101 <laughs> vocab terms. So maybe I'll get like a B plus? I don't know. So that was all that I had to do this week, and it was time-consuming, but it got done. I had a great time working on the Soteriology worksheet, just thinking about atonement and salvation and redemption and reconciliation and how this all, like, all these legal terms that apply to how we were bought out of our slavery to sin. It's Oh, it was so good. And then I had to answer questions about what type of church government I think a church should have. So, you know, it swung both directions. As for the class itself, I don't know if I can really say much towards it. I liked the glossary assignment, even though I didn't like the rules behind the glossary assignment. That assignment was right up there with, if, you're, if you've been around since the beginning, in spiritual formation, I had to pick any book and write a paper on it. So... And I really liked that. I liked having the freedom to pick any book and write a paper on it. It was a lot of fun. And not just having to pick from a list or here's the book you have to write a paper on. That, similarly, I really, enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed this, of being able to put together a glossary of terms that I thought that was important for stu- people to know, even though I didn't like the rules behind it. In all, the class is a lot of work. This is, if you ever plan on taking a systematic theology class, it's a lot of work, at least the versions I've gone through now. I would say it's not my favorite class. It has its highs and its lows. Sometimes you're working, like I said, doing stuff, looking at atonement and sanctification and reconciliation and getting into the nitty-gritty of it, and then you're doing ridiculous theology exercises like we're going to do here in a couple minutes, or you're, you know... Circling the wagons on, okay, we all know what this is, or you know, okay, let's talk about end time stuff and clearly be taught one very specific view. We talked about all of the views when it came to eschatology, but it was very clearly presented as pre-trib pre-millennial um, rapture theology is the accurate the the most accurate theologically sound version in script evident in scripture. Like that was that was definitely the one that was encouraged the most out of all of the views, which was interesting. The rest of the, the class was basically just presenting information. This was the one that was a little bit more like this is the view. I had to defend the rapture in the eschatology worksheet. Not define the rapture or do I believe in the rapture, but I had to defend the rapture In the eschatology worksheet I didn't really have to defend too much else I didn't have to defend elder rule in a church I didn't even have to defend or yeah I didn't even have to defend like the atonement I just I had to defend the rapture so just let that sink in it's a lot of work though a a systematic theology class is a lot of work I still think spiritual formation is my favorite followed up by discipleship methods I think those would be my two favorites so far but I've only taken, I've only taken those, cla- the this handful of classes. And starting, I believe next week, we will be back with a brand new episode, kicking off our new class, Ministry Administration. This is going to be way different, y'all. Like doing a class on how to run a church. I guess. I don't know. I'm expecting this to be. I, I I think it will be good. I, I, I've downplayed it a little bit when I first announced that was going to be the class. But I think it's going to be good because I imagine this is a lot of stuff that normally you have to learn on the fly. So I think this is going to be good from the perspective of, hey, I'm getting some knowledge and hopefully some good books. That's always what I'm hoping for in classes. I'm hoping for good books and hopefully get some good books on here's how you do here's how you do xyz or how this is how you think about doing ministry from a professional level. And speaking of professionalism, I got to get in contact with somebody to do a one more thing on professionalism in the church. Might And by the way, speaking of special bonus episodes, again, later this month, we're going to have the My Seminary Life one-year anniversary special. I'm still pulling it together. We do have a guest. Well, I should say I'm working on getting a guest lined up for the show. She's very pregnant, so hopefully she'll be able to be on the show um, talking about Lent. I think it's what we're going to talk about a little bit, but we're also going to talk about, you know, how great of a year it's been here at my seminary life, and maybe some of the things we plan on doing moving forward. Um, What else do we got going today? I think it's time for us to talk about our mental exercise for today's episode. Because that's one thing I took away from systematic theology, is that sometimes we have to play these mental gymnastics that... You know, we might not be able to arrive at a conclusion at, but it gives us something different to think about. And the one I wanted to talk about today uh, came to me while I was filling out the anthropology worksheet for my dissertation or, ordination assignment, and it's this: Did Adam and Eve have to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? in order for sin to be entered into the human race. Okay, so as the name implies, maybe the answer is yes. Because either that was literally the name of the tree, or a symbolic, poetic name that was given to the tree, that this is the tree where the knowledge of good and evil was going to come from. But the reason why I this thought came to mind is because, a lot of the questions in the anthropology worksheet were wrestling with this idea of what was the garden like what were the responsibilities of adam and eve in the garden what was the fault things like that we we had to look at you know original sin and you know human's identity but a lot of it was also what was the garden like and as i'm looking at genesis 1 and more so 2 i'm starting to put together that there were actually many commands in the garden. The big one was, of course, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge and good of evil. And here's the thing, and I think this is the punchline ultimately in the conversation, that was the one do not. Do not eat of this one tree. You can eat of all the other trees. Everything else was a freedom, you know? You can eat from the rest of the trees. The other things that... Adam and Eve were told, though, is that they were told to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and also to have dominion of the garden, take care of the garden. Okay? So, the thought that came to mind, and I do want to reiterate here, I said this back at the top of the episode. I want to reiterate, I'm not trying to preach anything here, all right? I'm not trying to make some definitive statement here, although there will be one in the end for the punchline. But this is just me doing some mental gymnastics. Um, I don't think I would necessarily preach this in a sermon, at least not yet. I would have to think about some of this. But let's just run with this for a second. I highly doubt that the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth wouldn't have happened. I doubt that. Although, at the Tower of Babel... There was an issue with the dispersing and filling part, and that's why God changed the languages and blah, blah, blah. So maybe there would have been an overcrowding in the Garden of Eden, but I don't think there would have been an issue with the be fruitful and multiply part because the, uh, the act of making the fruitfulness and the multiplying is obviously an enjoyable task. It's a very enjoyable task. Plus you have the the thing that I'm wondering is what if Adam and Eve le- didn't have dominion over the garden? What if they didn't keep up with the garden? If they didn't do that, would that have brought sin into the world? Could the serpent have deceived Adam and Eve into not taking care of the garden, and just letting it run wild, that still would have been disobedience. Right? If they did not do it, that still would have been disobedience on their end. But instead, and this is the significant part, the serpent went for the one thing they were told not to do. And that is the theologically rich part. He attacked the one thing that was forbidden, and that was going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good of evil. He didn't go for the things that were permissible. You can take care of the ground. You can be fruitful and multiply. He went for the one thing that was off limits. That, I think, is significant. That, I think, speaks to why that was the one that ended up happening is because he went for the one thing that was off limits. The one thing. Isn't that insane? All these other foods in the garden, all the the freedom, the intimacy with God, the the labor, which... You know, depending on how you understand Genesis 3, the labor wasn't even all that bad prior to the fall, or at least wasn't as severe prior to the fall. And yet, they fell for it. Because they fell for the one thing that was the one do not, which I think speaks volumes to us as humans still to this day. We're so easily tricked. And deceived and tempted by the one, do not. By the do not. we enjoy doing the things that we're permitted to do. I mean, there's you know, life is harder now, after the fall. But we just love to to do the do nots. Maybe that'll be the ep- title of this episode. We love to do the do nots. It's part of our family heritage from Adam and Eve. That we are so easily deceived by the one shiny thing that we can't have. So could Adam and Eve have fallen and sin entered into the world through another means? Possibly. If they didn't fill the earth or they didn't take care of the garden? Well, maybe. Maybe. If they were deceived into thinking that God wasn't good by making them work or... Telling them, you know, thinking that God wasn't good because he was making them spread out. Because that's the other thing. Because the heart of the sin is that they were tricked into believing that God wasn't good. That God didn't have their best intentions in mind. That God was withholding a good from them. So I guess if they would have been deceived into believing that God wasn't good because he was making them work, then yeah, I mean, I get it. That makes sense. But instead, the serpent attacked the one thing that was off limits, which probably would have made it the even more enticing of the things, of the options. So, yes, I think there's a ways that sin could have entered the world through other means, through the other commands that were given to Adam and Eve. But specifically, it makes sense that it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Maybe that's the point. It makes sense that it was the one thing that was off limits. And this folks is kind of what it sounds like to be in a theology class because sometimes you just have to take weird scenarios and just be open to dialogue about it. Maybe this will give you something to think about. Maybe this will challenge you into those other things that you those do nots that you're easily tempted into as a reflection of areas in your life where maybe you think God isn't good, but this other thing is better than what God has for you. Things to keep in mind as you go through your day. Well, that's all I've got now for the My Seminary part. So let's pop on over then to the My Life part as uh even though we've been uh, even though I've been spending all of my free time working on finishing up assignments for this class I did have time this week for a couple fun things first off at our, we had a special event at youth group and I got to host a hot ones challenge yep a hot ones challenge I <laughs> It was fine until the very last hot sauce, and I instantly started crying. All the rest of them just tasted bad. They just tasted like vinegar. One kind of tasted like charcoal, which was not enjoyable at all. But the very last one, I just started bursting into tears. I got to host though, so it was a lot of fun just ribbing them as they were answering questions and stumbling because it was getting hotter and hotter, which is hot sauce. But... The most fun thing. Well, that was actually really fun. But the the big thing for this week is, in order to celebrate my birthday, which happens here at the end of the month, and to celebrate my most favorite superhero of them all, Batman, I am having Batman Palooza this month. And each day of the month of March so far, I have watched a different Batman-related thing. So far, I have watched a couple episodes of the animated series. Um, Batman 66 the movie with Adam West, a couple episodes of Batman Beyond, and Batman starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. And today, as of the recording of this, I am going to see the Robert Pattinson The Batman it's part of it's my birthday present from my brother. He, my brothers are getting they got us tickets for opening weekend and I'm so excited to go see this movie. You can hear about uh, you can hear me and Joe talk about it over at Sysmac Ecology. It's one of the more recent episodes just doing a prep for the movie, breaking down different characters and what we're hoping to see. So, that's a lot that's a really fun episode. Go check it out. Um, but yeah. So, I'm sure most of my updates here are going to be so this is the stuff I've watched. That's related to Batman. It'll probably be what I talk about on SysMec Ecology too. So that's all I got for my life right now. So let's start drawing this episode to a close. Again, you can find us on social media. I'm I got behind in adding the show to new platforms because of school this week, so we'll I'll be getting back to adding the shows. I'm looking to add Stitcher and CastBox, so you can be looking for those. Make sure you rate and review the show on whatever platform you're on, or you can go to the Facebook page and rate and review the show on there as well. Um, We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, the whole thing now, so you can tell your friends where they can find the show. It's much easier now is what I'm going for. Breaker is one of the options yeah, a few other options now. So you can find the show in plenty of places so your friends can join in on all of the theological fun going on here. And if you ever have a question for me or for the show, you can always email us now at my... No, that's not the email. <laughs> the email is emailseminarylife at gmail.com. Emailseminarylife at gmail.com all lowercase, all one word. You can email the show if you have a question for me that you would like me to answer here on the show, especially on the upcoming Happy Birthday episode. I would love to answer any questions that you may have for that as a segment of part of that. And also there is an option on Anchor to leave a voice message if you're one of the people who like to use Anchor. And that is it for today's episode. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for joining me through this journey of systematic theology, and I'm looking forward to having you join me on our next adventure through ministry administration. But until next time, keep on studying.